0: I'm Omar Issa, and welcome to Culture Study, a podcast documenting the inspiring stories of cultural movers and shakers. On today's show, we sit down with Ani Sanyal, a mission-driven entrepreneur, real estate investor, and marketing specialist based in New York City. I first discovered Ani's story after hearing about Calcutta Chai Company, a cafe that he opened with his brother Ayan just a few months ago. Attracting attention from the likes of Questlove, Hasan Minhaj, Mindy Kaling, Reddit CEO Alexis Ohanian, and plenty of others, KCC's Masala Chai has become a platform for the brothers to share a taste of their culture with the world. Ani also manages an extremely talented hip hop artist named Anik Khan, who's been making waves in the hip hop community with his ability to sonically fuse his Bengali roots with his queen's upbringing. I was so inspired by my talk with Ani, and as a first generation American myself, I relate so much to his story and his purpose. As you'll notice, Ani embraces the hustle that many immigrant and first-generation kids endure, especially while working to provide for those who came before them. I hope you enjoyed this episode of Culture Study. If you do, please do me a huge favor and share it with one other person who would enjoy it as well. Thank you so much. Peace. Ani. Ani Sanyal. Is that right? Yes, Ani, sir. Ani Hustles on IG. Whatever you want to call it. <laughs> um, how's it going, man? Uh, Welcome to, to Culture Study. How you doing?
1: I'm good, bro. Thank you for, for having me. Um, I'm excited. We on the 65th floor. Spotify. Hanging That's out. right. Still.
0: Yeah. Shout out to, to the Spotify anchor family for, for helping us out with the space. Very grateful for it. It's also a, a beautiful view here in New York. Let's get started, man. I, I uh First of all, I wanted to, to thank you for, for coming on the show. You know, Culture Study is just a platform that's evolved from myself and and two of my really good friends, my brothers, just telling our stories. We were three brown kids and you know, first generation Americans in uh, the Bay Area, growing or going to school in the Bay Area. Realized we all had, you know, interests in style, interests in, you know, music, but also had this shared kind of idea of like family values and what our, you know, what our ancestors mean to us and tradition and even though we were from all different parts of the world, which we'll get into in a little bit, but we all still had those same connections. And so I feel that similar to when I heard about Calcutta Chai Company, I was the first thing I thought of was like, wow, that's, that's amazing because my conversations ever since I was a kid with my mom was how she wanted to open up a chai spot. No way. Yeah. And so, so when I, when I heard that you were launching this and I started, you know, obviously seeing the branding, which we'll get into, which is amazing. Mm -hmm. Um, The story of how, you know, you got the recipe and all that, which is related to your mom. That touched my heart, and I was, I don't know, I became the biggest fan. So, again, thank you for coming on the show. Um, And um, why don't we start off with, you know, for those who don't know you, how would you describe yourself?
1: Yeah, so my name is Ani Sanya. I am the, you know, product of two immigrants from India, from Calcutta, to be specific. Uh, My parents moved here in the winter of 87. I was conceived in India and born here. You know, I always feel like that's part of why India feels so, so much like home you know, because yeah, okay. a, a part of me started there. And uh, obviously, you know, when I talk about Coca the Chai and anything to do with that company, I'm always speaking on behalf of my brother and I. So, you know, my brother is the, uh, he's the brains behind that operation. You know, I tell people, everything that you taste is him. Everything that you see is me. <laughs> and that's the balance that we've been able to create. So, you know, my brother, Ian, is uh, we've always, you know, we've always been close. We've always had that relationship. We've been in business together for about five, six years. And I know that for immigrant parents seeing, you know, their children kind of continue to work together and be together all the time. Like, I think that's like one of the biggest things we've been able to do. You yeah. know, we've had a lot of lean years. We've had a lot of rough, rough times, but being able to, to show, you know, our parents that the way they raised us was, you know, critical to who we are today. That's critical. So yeah, man, I'm a, uh, I'm an entrepreneur creative that lives at the intersection of business and culture. So I think that business doesn't understand culture and culture is a lot of times afraid to use business, you know, to leverage their, their own genius. And so my job is to synthesize and create connectivity in that space so mm-hmm. that more stories get told,
0: uh, more cool things come to the market, and more artists, you know, get seen and heard. That's amazing. So you obviously do way more right now than just Calcutta Chai Company. So tell me a little bit about what you've been up to for the past couple months with Calcutta Chai and then also, um, you know. Yeah. So... So Coca-Cola Chat was actually incubated within an
1: agency that my brother and I had started and ran for the past five, six years um, called Green Room Creative. So at GRC, we've done, you know, we used to like do growth marketing for Juice Press. You know, that was one of our first big clients. We ran a lot of Hillary Clinton's 2016 Asian American outreach. And so living in a digital first culture and and kind of growing up in that, we knew that we had a, a perspective that was valuable to brands. And that's what we sold, you know, as an agency. And I think that being in that space and, and a lot of the work we did was in direct to consumer, you know, and understanding how products and culture and people were kind of functioning. It was going beyond paid media, you know. It just wasn't about advertising and and, and you know Instagram ads. It was really something deeper. And, and when we built a company, you know, my brother and I would always joke like, "Yo, sometimes these clients don't want to listen. We're giving, <laughs> we're giving, yeah, you know, we gave this entire game plan we to a the bunch sauce. of direct to consumer <laughs> clients, right?" And it was like, this is how you guys do it. You invest in brand first, and then you build out product, you know, et cetera, et cetera. And some people listened, some people didn't. Yeah. So when we had a chance to incubate our own company in KCC, I think we did everything that we, you know, always kind of gave advice on and always wanted to do. And the result of that is is what you see today. So, you know, a lot of people, the first thing they want to talk about is the brand and, and the visual, and, and we'll get into that. But we knew that as important product is, you had to to not only tell a story, but you had to show people, yeah, you know what what they had to buy into, and 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 what we were, you know, really selling was much larger than a cup of chai, and it still is. And so, yeah, that's that's kind of where it started. Um, so I work a lot in that digital strategy space. You know, another piece of kind of changing the immigrant narrative and kind of creating generational wealth and, and reversing that cycle that we've lived in for so long, where we don't own anything. For me, has been getting into real estate. So I've been. A real estate investor and developer for about five years and now it's starting to really pick up and and i kind of run a fund where we invest outside capital and things like that but that's been exciting um and i also manage an artist named anik khan who a lot of people you know in our space are familiar with super super talented you know bangladeshi born queen's bred, uh hip-hop and r&b artist and and 2020 is going to be you know all in these next up yeah so yeah those are some things i'm involved in um i run a workshop called idea exchange where we look to basically create and incubate ideas for entrepreneurs of color and uh yeah this is like this is my full-time thing i don't i don't do anything else but this every day but a hustle yeah (laughs) Um, something like
0: that yeah i think that's so it's so cool to see kind of the The diversity in the work that you do, like you're touching culture on so many different levels. I mean, just even being in real estate, you're able to be a a brown man that's like helping fund and helping invest in real estate. And I'm sure you're paving the way with a lot of other people in your community who are who are doing the same. So it's really cool to see that. You know, people nowadays or kids nowadays maybe have someone to look up to in a lot of different spaces, which for for us growing up wasn't exactly right. the case. Yeah. Thank you. Um, I appreciate it. Yeah, that. of course. So I want to get into to Calcutta a little bit. Calcutta Chai Company. So this is the first. Uh, was it a couple months ago you just launched the first it's week spot? five, week five? Wow. Yeah, so September 18th. Was amazing. First day. Yeah, Congratulations. So Calcutta uh, Chai Company is a Libra. For those asking, I'm a Libra, I didn't, so I just I didn't had think to say about that. that. Yeah, you got it. <laughs> it was it. just my birthday, so I didn't mention that. Thank, um, you thank you, man. Libras are very balanced, so I think that's what you're gonna find with with your with your chai shop. Ask but um, hey, oh, it was his birthday in August. He told me, he, yeah. Yeah, 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 that's, that's right. Um, what's the age difference between you guys? I'm
1: four years older. Okay, I look like I'm four years younger, but I'm officially four years older. <laughs> so I, I joke about it, like, yo, I, and I paved the way. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> especially with like immigrant
0: parents, you know, yeah. like, you gotta like. My parents have been you had, seasoned. You got the beating, and then, oh, and he lived. Bro. So I have two older sisters, mm-hmm. and I thank God for them, cause cause they had to deal with all the right the craziness, right. Yeah, and same I, thing here. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So yep. um, so how's how's the past uh, five weeks? Obviously, uh, probably six months leading up to that too. But how's everything been with that process of um, building out a space? Obviously, your first space. Yeah, and. I was talking to Mo Hair yesterday. Mm-hmm. Uh, shout out to him and uh, he was like, "Man, it felt like a Drake concert because <laughs> he was at the opening." And that's uh, yeah, that's, that's, that's amazing. I mean, a lot yeah. of that's on, you know, that that's the genius behind the, the marketing strategy and the branding and and really just being authentic as well, but um, yeah, tell me about the past couple months with Calcutta Chai Company. For
1: sure. So, I think in in January, you know, my brother and I realized that the pop-up kind of like farmers market model that we were operating out of had reached a peak. Meaning like we just weren't able to scale the business in that that model. And so we started to explore what retail could look like. And our first iteration of that was actually looking at like uh, food halls, like Mm -hmm. doing like a a market and doing something that was like temporary yet, you know, permanent, where it was like a six month thing. And then we realized none of those spaces would allow us to curate the experience the way we wanted to, right? Mm -hmm. You'd be a part of something else. And that's not what we wanted to do. And so, 2019, top of the year, we started to get serious. Um, We had a, you know, a gut check capital-wise to figure out how much money we could bring to the table ourselves and how much we had to raise. And, you know, it's funny because the real estate agency, everything that I've been involved in, I've never raised money. So we've always put up our own capital or started at zero and and bootstrapped it up. This is the first time that we took outside capital. So that was like a really challenging aspect of it because as, you know, first-generation immigrants your network isn't the same right. as, you know, a lot of other people. And I think that it was important for us to not dwell on that or, like, feel like a victim in that situation. I was like, all right, cool, this is our reality. How are we going to move past that? I remember the first, like, week or two was just, like, it was dry. Like, it was hard, you know. And and um, after that, something happened, man. It was divine intervention. Like, a lot of people just started coming forward. Things spread, like, people I've never expected, you know, came up and were kind of like, yo, I love this. I'm stepping up to to put some money in. And so once we decided a full-time retail space was the move, you know, we we put that capital raise out there and then we walked into the, the spot that we have now, the cafe spot. Mm-hmm. Um, I remember I had kind of been pounding the pavement for a couple of weeks. Mind you, at this point in time, I'm in India on tour with Anik doing like oh, wow. VH1 supersonic. And I'm running around with, you know, like I I just wasn't in the country. Like I was in Australia. And then, you know, Ian's like, yo, this lease spot, I'm I'm thinking about checking this out. And so the first time that we had gone out together to go check a lease out, we walked into 199 East 3rd, which Mm -hmm. is where we are now. And I remember he was like, oh, the door's supposed to be locked, but it was open. Like it was just this weird, you know, kind of like divine moment. We walked in and I was like, Oh, yeah, this is it. Like, we, you know, you just, people talk about you just know, and we just knew. And, um,
0: I mean, the space itself is beautiful. I checked it out yesterday, obviously, before we met up today, but it's an experience when you walk in. Thank you, man. Yeah. It's yeah. A,
1: it wasn't like that when, when we walked in. I but, bet. Yeah. You know, you could tell, like, yo, this has upside. And so, um, we moved quickly, man. We, we negotiated the, the hell out of the lease because I had experience you know in, in real estate, so I came to the table prepared and um, <laughs> Once we were in that position, we went into build out and that was probably the most frustrating time that I, I and I have been in in a long time. you know we kind of joke about it now and I haven't talked about this previously, but imagine having this idea and this product and knowing kind of what the potential for this is. Imagine putting up you know tens of thousands of dollars of your own money to, to start this conversation. And then imagine being stalled for three, four months because of permits and contractors and yeah. this and that, and and you know we joked like that. I mean, we were like borderline. It was like founder's depression because you were just like, yo, like I can't physically do anything, right? You know, and every day I would wake up and and I had the same prayer every day this year, which was like, I pray for completion, you know, because I just wanted to get to the finish line, yeah, just to be able to. Then it's like, okay, the work starts now, right? You know, but I was like, yo, if if we can't even get to that point, like. You know, so... It's frustrating. Yeah, it was it was a tough time. And, and we haven't talked about that. You know, I and an hour, we laugh about it now, but it was like genuinely a very like up and down time because our hands were tied. Yeah. Um, finally got to, you know, finally got to that two week, three week period where we felt we were comfortable with announcing an opening date. And we put out this article, which kind of was just like a very first person raw um, dissertation of what we were doing and this narrative of reclaiming Chai and and bringing it to the market in an authentic way every chai company that i'm familiar with in in the us is run by someone who's not south asian or from the diaspora mm-hmm. bhakti chai rishi chai whoever whoever like Donut chai <laughs> like whoever wants smoke you know what i mean but it's like none of them you know there's all people who went to india and fell in love with you know the culture and the chai like nah yeah. when you do that you you cut the product off from the tradition from the ancestry and from like the the story that actually comes from so you know when we put out this article we kind of just talked about like what our mission was and it was just very raw very honest was no you know no pr agency no no nothing and that thing just it just took off you know and then i was like oh here we go yeah. you know and and that's kind of how we got to opening night um i think we had a line of like 700 people out front yeah. um and my brother was like yo like, we got no more chai. And I was like, oh, no, you better figure it out. Like, you better send somebody to grab milk. I brought the order. people, man. Yeah, man. So that's that's a, a short slash long way of, of explaining how we got here. Yeah,
0: no, thank you for that. I'm I'm curious about, I mean, you said that this, this idea was kind of like launched in an incubator that you and your brother kind of operated. What was the, the origin of Calcutta Chai Company? Like, why did you guys, like what inspired the idea essentially?
1: Yeah, it's a great question. I think, you know, every day that I remember growing up, in my parents' home, every every day at five PM, like my parents would just make tea. Yeah, and, you know, my mom, like if she didn't get a cup of chai for whatever reason that day, it was oh my head hurts, oh my, eh. you know, it was like you just it, she would get angry, like it just get to a whole different point. That's so funny. And, man. and and the other side of that was every time we went to India, you know, we spent a lot of summers in India growing up, and we have no extended family in the U.S. It's just us four. All my family is in in Kolkata. Mm-hmm. So my aunties, my grandparents, my cousins. And we just really like cherished you know their companionship so much because we just didn't know like we had a whole family on that side. but every every evening there, two three hours shut down for Adda and Chai. You yeah. know Ada is this Bengali concept of politicking basically. And um, it was just ingrained in culture, you know and Ian and is like he's the adventurous food guy. So you know I think we had a trip that we both took to India in 2015. like one of the trips we just took yearly at that point. And, and he had really just been like, let me get more experimental with food. So anyone would like hand him something or suggest something, he'd say, yeah, yeah, let me try that, you know. And usually when you do that in, in India, your stomach can go either way. But, you know, we just we just started to realize like one of the biggest fat, you know, the fabric of, of growing up and, and creating experience and all of that was kind of centered around chai. Um, street food was always really big for us, so we'd always like, since we were like eat, you know, like beg our aunties, like, yo, take us to here for Bailbury, or take us here for street food, you know, blah, blah, blah. I think we realized that street food was the best way that you understood culture, that you understood uh-huh. people, you know, you understood tradition in a place that felt a little bit unfamiliar. And you probably know this, like, when you go back, yeah. quote-unquote, home, everyone's looking at you like, you're an American, yeah, and like, you don't belong here, right? right. And, and so, for us, like, we never went to India and ate McDonald's. Like, we never ate Pringles in India. Like, I got friends who, you know, who... who did that whole experience and I was like, nah, we, we ate with our hands, we ate at everything local and, you know, I think the the chai was like the thing that
0: stood out from all of all of our experiences. Yeah. And also, you know, in addition to the chai, I wanted you to maybe touch on the menu a little bit. I know yeah. people listening, including myself, are gonna get a little hungry right now. But um you took tradition and you like you brought it into a environment where it was also really trendy and and something that was easily digestible for people no pun intended yeah. but um <laughs> in you know millennials and kind of this generation so talk about the menu um, even the branding just kind of like the choice of the space itself I love there's a the, the first thing that comes to mind actually about your shop is this like 3D kind of uh, piece of yeah, piece artwork. of art oh, yeah. yeah that that has the word immigrants spelled in the shape of the United States, which yeah. I thought was really cool. Yeah, I know it's like a one of one piece, but um, but yeah, talk about the menu and then just kind of like a little bit more For about sure. the branding itself.
1: Yeah, the menu, you know, I think it's it started from again like when we think about culture, there's a culture of where we grew up and the culture of you know where we come from, but there's also the culture that we're involved in now, right? Like I grew up in hip hop culture, right? You know, and and that hip hop culture being a black art form gave me the only reference point as a brown kid looking around and being like yo these people are the closest representation of the struggle and the things that i'm going through and, and until i you know can create my own story and so you know we grew up in hip-hop culture and we grew up in streetwear culture i grew up in sneaker culture you right. know like these things are all as important as bengali culture and and you know um immigrant culture and so our menu, I think, is a reflection of those two things. It's, it's what happens when you are rooted in tradition, but you are forward-looking, and you're recognizing kind of where you're at. So, you know, we do a mango avocado toast, which is like you got your trendy avo, avo toast, but you also have a very authentic mango chutney, which like transports you right back to, you know, where you're at. <laughs> um, we have something called a masala limka, which is limka is like an Indian Sprite. It's like a lemon-lime soda but we do it like a dirty version. So there's like spices and lime juice and our, our secret spice blend. And so that's just like a way to like flip, you know, something that we grew up with. Um, we do a really interesting paneer toast. So the oh, idea, wow. you know, paneer, very traditional, but um, we, we use queso fresco. And so we flipped it a little bit and uh, it's it's amazing. And yeah. then the chai is, you know, we do, I think the most popular chai that people will recognize is the oat milk chai. You know, dairy a lot of times in this country is like you know people don't don't really don't really acknowledge it. They don't want to they don't want to drink dairy. And so we were like, how do we create that experience? You know, but make it. You can say it's trendy or you can say it's you know healthy. However you want to phrase it, but our oat milk chai has been one of the biggest you know sellers. Yeah. So yeah. that's that's important. And yeah, going down the rest of the menu, man, it's just really like always is informed on both sides, tradition and kind of like where we're at. Um, the branding <laughs> and that whole side, yeah, that's like a, a whole thing. But for the branding, I think you know, obviously, incubating this company in a creative agency that was like core. You know, like we weren't taking any shortcuts around that. And it's something that I would encourage all you know, young business people, young entrepreneurs, whoever is kind of in that position of building something. Like it's so easy to take shortcuts on branding. You get a logo by your homeboy, and you you know you sort of yeah. run run town and. Being intentional with everything at the foundation is going to make it so much easier to acquire users and win people over down the road, if that makes sense. Yeah. And we, we knew that from a from an agency side and it was our time to, to walk the walk. And so we partnered with uh, Badal Patel, who is a super dope um, graphic designer, creative director. And she, you know, we, we met with her multiple times and I remember like really just describing to her the things that we did not want and the space that we did live in but that's all that we really gave her initially and so she was really just masterful in, in the whole like creation of the colors and the fonts and she kind of took some of these greens and yellows like that you see in Kolkata a lot on yeah. like the cabs and the and the auto rickshas and she she brought that together with like these subtle red and blues that were more like trendy and, and popular on the side and so everything from the colors to the fonts to the you know typography to the the phrases. Um, yeah. yeah. Those were all very thoughtfully put together, you know, between us and between her. You know, the phrases, it was just this thing where, like, yo, like, Get Rich or Die Trying was, like, one of the biggest albums of my life. You know what <laughs> I mean? Just, like, as, uh, you know, if yeah, if you grew up in that time, like, that album just shut everything down.
0: I know people, one of my best friends who is a total, like, rock person, and his first album was Get Rich or Die Trying. So, I think he said, you know what I mean? Did it's, I, like, yeah. did that album go diamond? It must. It have, might. It, it might have
1: got. Yeah. It might have been. I don't know. We got to look that one up. Yeah, we like, do.
0: But it. But it's. It was very impactful. Right. For, so
1: when we think about that, I was like, again, like hip hop culture and, and the culture that we come from. You know, get rich or try trying was just like something that we ran with early on, and then it. You know, it really took off. Um. So yeah. So that's that's the brand side. Again, we cut no corners. We spent money. We took time, and we really like did not release anything until we felt hundred percent comfortable with it. In terms of the space. Again, you know, how do you create a space that feels comfortable and, and welcoming to black and brown creative people? That was our that was our core thesis. And the piece of art that you mentioned is actually by an artist in the Bronx. His name is J.D. JD Botia. And I was speaking on a panel and he had his artwork, you know, there. And uh, I was like, oh, no, nah, I got to have that. I remember I, taught, I looked at Anik and I was like, yo, if that piece is under X amount, I'm going to make an offer. And was like, you're crazy, bro. Like, we got to get an Uber. Let's go home. <laughs> and uh, I'm so happy that, you know, I, I, I brought that piece into the fold because yeah. I think that piece is been a huge talking point for people you know because it is so fascinating the word immigrants you know cut out in the form of a u.s
0: map yeah and 3d is kind of coming out at you is, as well it's fire yeah and it's then gold which is really just
1: it's big yeah. yeah um the the chai tea with the t crossed out you know that was like uh that was something else that we came up from a creative strategy side again like this this idea of like how do you reclaim the narrative yeah you know yeah and um, I
0: actually i was just going to ask about that phrase so you there's a big kind of piece of uh, or painting maybe it is of just the font saying chai tea and you said it says the t crossed out like yep. t-e-a yep that goes back to what you were just saying about reclaiming the narrative yeah i mean it's like we couldn't afford to be militant about things you know
1: ian and i had a really uh important discussion i remember a couple months before we launched about you know people can't feel guilty when they're drinking a cup of coke of the chai that's not the point you right. know like there are tenets of imperialism colonialism you know, all these things that we've grown up with, uh, co-opting culture that need to be addressed through our brand and through our story, but it shouldn't be at every touch point. So how do we artfully, creatively, playfully tell those stories and kind of bring that into the fold without being like, you know, down with the man. Like that's not, I'm not, I'm, I'm a capitalist, bro. Like I tell people all the time, like I'm, I'm mission oriented and I believe in, in the greater good. And I believe in, you know, having a certain type of energy that, changes the way the world works but you can't do for others what you can't do for yourself you know so i i just remind people that like as as mission-oriented as as the brand is like we knew that ultimately we had to sell something at the end of the day and so everything you see in that space is
0: is our way of synthesizing you know that problem yeah and this actually transitions perfectly ayan said growing up as brown kids in the 90s we had no cultural reference points there was nobody that looked like us across music film tv or sports and we're opening up a cafe so that our community has a place to gather, create, and grow. And I think that's really beautiful. Um, yeah. It speaks a lot to, to the branding. speaks a lot to the menu. It speaks a lot to, I mean, I can attest to that. Yesterday I met up with a, a couple people and, you know, they were like, oh, let's go grab grab coffee. And I was like, you know what, let's, why don't we meet up at Calcutta Chat Company, which I had never been to. But I just knew what it, what it means to have yeah. a, a place where black and brown kids or folks at, at any level, at any age, can just can just come and hang out and, yeah. and grab a chai and then, you know, get on your way or kick it for a little bit. Um, Ayon was really friendly and chatting with me while he was doing some work. So um, yeah, so it feels like a family as soon as you walk in and it's accessible to everybody. I think that's cool. It's it's welcoming to everybody. And I saw a couple, you know, of the locals that come in every mm-hmm, day, which mm-hmm. was really cool yeah. to see. And um, they're from, one of them was Indian, one of them was white. And right. I just thought that was cool. You know, it's like right. it, it caters to everybody, but it is cool to have a platform for people of color to just come and hang out and and connect and and creatively build a little bit. Yeah. And Um, to to speak on that real quickly, you
1: know, the, the reason why we've, we've stepped out with that narrative is because we know that ultimately we're going to also pay that, we're paying that forward right back into the community, you know? So like we're hosting a lot of panels and a lot of like little meet and greets and things like that for the artists in our community. And that's, the symbiotic relationship that you have to have, you know, like if people are going to support you, you got to make sure you go back and support them. So we have a lot of ideas for programming and things we're going to launch in Q1 2020 that is going to be furthering that bridge and that relationship that we want to have with our community. It's not just about us, you know, making money off you buying chai. It's us reinvesting that right back into you right. and creating a platform, you know? Yeah. So that's, that's been a big, big part of the, uh, the, the brand thesis.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I want to I want to pivot a little bit and, and I guess rewind and talk a little bit about your story and, and kind of your roots. Yeah. Let's um, do if it. that's cool, if at any point you know there's something that's uncomfortable, you don't want to talk about it or whatever, that's totally fine. Nah, you can always just there. push let's forward. You want to go there? Yeah, okay, I could cool. Go there. Um, you're of South Asian descent. You grew up in the Boston area, mm-hmm. but you were born in. You said you were born. I was in born India. in Massachusetts. Yeah. Oh, you were born in Massachusetts. Okay, yeah. so set the scene of your childhood. Um, who was around you? Obviously, the little brother. But yeah, paint us a picture.
1: Yeah, man. It was, uh, you know, my dad was a grad student at UMass in Amherst, which is like in the middle of Massachusetts. And um, I remember we had this like mustard yellow couch in our <laughs> living room. I think every immigrant family probably got something similar, but it always had it had three legs. You know, we'd always put a soup can or something under it. And I was like, <laughs> oh, okay, that's normal, whatever, it's cool. I didn't know until years later, my dad dragged that couch out of a dumpster and, and brought it home because he was like, yo, that's you know it's better than having nothing and i think that that's just a microcosm of like how my parents approached you know everyday in this country it was with humility you know with hard work and just with like provision how do you provide and i think that those those things that we grew up with we just held really close we had this tiny little one bedroom and <clears throat> i think we the fact that we didn't have a lot made things simple and i think that's what really created the bonds, you know, in our family, like my family's super close. My dad is staying with me this week, oh, wow. you know, he's in town and he's, he's staying with me and he's been at the office with me and running around, you know, like we, we just, we just knew that we didn't have a lot materially or physically, but we had each other. And that was, that was just a key um, to everything. So we grew up with a lot of love in the family. Um, you know, my mom comes from a big family in India. So like when we would go back to spend summers there, meeting your grandparents and your aunties and, you know, cousins and everybody knows and like, oh, okay, wow, this is dope. But growing up in America, I remember for me being the, the older, you know, older son and kind of having to go through these things first, like it was like a lot of, um, it was just a lot of uncertainty around like who you are and what your identity is. Because at home, you know, we, we had this one thing, you know, I went to school, I went to preschool, whatever it is. I didn't speak English. We spoke Bengali at home, yeah. you know, and so, um, there was always like, as you get older and teachers can't pronounce your name and you're just always dealing with this, like, it just felt like, you just felt like isolated a lot of the time, you yeah. know? And, and so that was a big, that was a big, um, thing growing up it was like, how do I feel like I belong here, but still like always honor and, and like respect my family. You know, there's, there's certain t- people, I mean, you know, like a lot of, a lot of brown people like to whitewash. That's just like a fact, you know, cause it's easier to assimilate. And we were, we were just never like that, you know, and I think that that was something that I struggled with a lot just growing up to be like, yo, who, where, you know, how, and I think as we got older, we started to have more appreciation for, you know, our culture and where we came from and and the traditions that made, you know, us who we were. One thing that we dealt with a lot in our family growing up is financial insecurity. You know, it was just this thing where, my dad used to, you know, he just get laid off before the holidays, like repeatedly. And I remember growing up and always looking at that, that feeling in our family of being just completely hopeless. You know, like you got one income, you don't have a job, Christmas around the corner. Like this is something that I could I literally like every two years, every year I sure. could just, I could just, I remember right where I was, you know, the first time, the third time. And I started to understand that if I had to do it, I would have to do it differently. You know, and that I would never let my situation get to that point. I would never let somebody else have control over the ability for me to feed my family or to take care of people. And that that hopelessness was just like it always stuck with me. And so, you know, growing up, I was like the lemonade stand kid. You know, like I would do random little hustles and little things to try to make a couple dollars and, and just like always have that entrepreneurial feel because I was like, I got to figure this out. Um, you know, we moved around a lot um and then you know finally kind of got settled and then the first chance I had to get out of Boston which was when I was 18 I got out came to New York for school and it was under the guise of studying business and economics which I did do um and I did I did it fairly well but it was really just to like put myself in an environment that would help further and kind of promote you know my creative and entrepreneurial
0: yeah dreams you mentioned this a little bit earlier but you were ready to get out of Boston as soon as you could. So tell me why. Boston in the 90s and 2000s, that's a primarily
1: like white city. And not even white in color, but just like in, in the power structure, everything just looks and feels the same. Mm-hmm. You know, a lot of people at that time, like, like you know, I was like one of the only brown kids, you know, growing up where I was. And, and it just never felt like this is a space that, wants me to be here as much as I want to be here Mm -hmm. you know it just never felt like this is a space that gives me the energy I need to be able to create the things I want to um I started a record label when I was 16 years old with a friend of mine and um that label ended up eventually taking me around the world with music and I did a bunch of things but being 16 and and being in love with hip-hop music as a brown kid in Boston was not it (laughs) you know it just wasn't it and until you got to New York and you were like oh this is normal here yeah you know and so um I think that was that was key for me to understand early on was like yo as much as I love my family and all these things that that separation was necessary for me to grow you know and a lot of people um a lot of people struggle with that and a lot of people like live with their parents and live, live with family out of this obligation and and a lot of times when you do that I feel like you don't pay attention to yourself And that little bit of selfishness that you need to be able to create that space to do your own thing. Like I just, I knew that from an early age and, and I've honored that for myself kind of since then.
0: Yeah. And, um, you mentioned hip hop quite a bit so far. I'm guessing those artists were big inspirations for you. Um, including them, who else, who were you inspired by including hip hop and and kind of any other front? Yeah, man. Um, I remember, so obviously Jay-Z, big part of
1: my narrative. The first time I seen a a non-white businessman who was also swaggy and who also (laughs) had ownership and control of his own thing. I was like, that's gangster. Like that's to me was like the the pinnacle. And so I always like looked up to Jay in that sense. I tell people like I don't look up to nobody except my parents and Jay. You know, because I felt like Jay did a lot of things during a time where that was completely unpopular. You right. know, like going independent and and kind of like starting your own label back when the rock did it, it was like unheard of. Yeah. So that was that was a big piece of it. I think I look at um I remember mm-hmm. the first time I saw brown men being athletic was when I went to India and the 96 World Cup. Oh, was, wow. for cricket was happening. You know, and I had never seen like brown dudes winning anything or like <laughs> having physical ability. And I was like, that's gangster. So like I remember thinking, um I just remember like that that cricket and just that whole like idea was like really big for me growing up. Yeah. Like, yo, it is possible to to not only have to be like represented in, in working at a convenience store or whatever it is. And so um those two things were big for me. But yeah, hip hop culture, man, it really um I think it taught me freedom. And it, I think it taught me how to tell your story. And I think you know, being a brown kid in hip-hop culture, you're a bit of an outsider too, right? Because that's, it's a black art form because that comes from the black struggle, you know? And, and I think that that was something that, you know, I had to always be respectful of, but also figure out how do I tell my story, right. you know, in an authentic way. So, yeah, I mean, lyrically, you know, like Most F and, and Big Pun and Nas and Talib and all these, that that was like my, that was my zone. Yeah. Um, And then, you know, obviously that evolves, but... Yeah, man, I, I grew up, I was a big, like, I used to be at the library all the time. Like, I used to be that kid just reading my books, listening to music, like, just kind of, like, studying and, and and plotting, like, what I
0: was going to do. <laughs> and yeah. you didn't quite know yet exactly what it was going to be, but you uh, know, you had something to prove, you had something to contribute. Yeah. I think I can definitely relate to that. Yeah. Um, and you mentioned, actually, you and your brother both kind of pursued music in some capacity. Yeah. Can you tell me a little bit about that?
1: Yeah. So this is where I think, like, I paved the way as the older brother because <laughs> my parents were not trying to hear this. So, you know, now it's funny because, like, the agency, the cafe, everything, my parents are like, all right, cool, because they know when I was 16, I was, like, in a studio until 2, 3 in the morning. Yeah. And then I would come home and try to go to school, and they're like, what are you doing? Like, you got SATs next weekend. I was like, are we recording an album? Like, they're not trying to hear that. Yeah. it's um, the wrong answer. Yeah, it's 100% <laughs> the wrong answer. Uh, but... I used to rap. I used to manage a group. I used to executive produce, and I used to market kind of like this label that that I owned. And I remember when I graduated from college, I worked a day job for like two weeks, and I quit because I was like, "That's not it." And then I had no idea what I was going to do. I had no money to pay rent. And um, I remember the next week I had some open mic or some show, and and this guy was like, "Yo, you guys want to come to Japan for two months and tour?" And I was like, "What?" I think I just turned twenty two. Crazy and um and so lo and behold a couple of weeks later I was you know going to Japan so like I, I use music as a way to tell my story, to see the world, to understand again how brands, culture, people, content, how all that interacts. But I did it at a very young age, pre-streaming, you know like early iTunes, MySpace era, and I just I've always been integrated into culture, and I think that really paid off when it came to launching a company like Coca the Chai was like you got to be from the culture to know to even talk about culture. You know, yeah. I think a lot of times, a lot of these brands, like they want to tap in so bad because they don't have, they're not from the culture. Yeah. You know, a lot of like CEOs and execs and they removed cause they yeah. never, they didn't grow up the way we grew up. So being in the trenches and kind of like getting it out of the mud for me has been huge. You know, I remember, yeah, I've been through a lot on the music side and a lot of, a lot of lean years just trying to figure out, you know, how to put things together. But all of that created a resourcefulness that allowed me to be an entrepreneur and be an effective entrepreneur, you know, and not like raise millions and seed capital and blow it off, you know, doing crazy stuff, but really like applying, you know, everything that I've learned
0: to be ROI positive for my businesses and myself. That's amazing. Um, it sounds like just, I mean, you, you even said it, but just through and through, you've been an entrepreneur in your own way and that's, you've had the entre- entrepreneurial blood Two weeks into your first job you, you quit. Yeah, man. Can I can I ask what that job was? Yeah, it was um so I had
1: I graduated with a an offer from a consulting company. I don't
0: know how. I must have fleeced them.
1: <laughs> and I remember that last interview, the CEO was like, So we found you on YouTube and uh some music stuff going on. I was like, Yeah, what's up? And he was like, Well, we just wanna make sure this won't be an issue and you you know, you committed to the job and I was like, Yeah and deep down I was like, No, I'm not committed to no <laughs> job like so that that was I'm like doing the music, <laughs> yeah. I was like, No, I'm not doing this, but um, but yeah, two weeks in, I was like, L- Let me not play myself, which was a really like important experience for me, yo. Because being 22 years old, having like $300 to your pocket and rent being due in three weeks, like that teaches you how to hustle, yeah, you know. And I think that those experiences that I went through, it taught me again how to do a lot with very little, and, and that's always been, I think, a key kind of like aspect of, of my entrepreneurship, extremely scrappy. Yeah. You know, we don't, we don't like subscribe to, yeah, you know, raising money and, and doing things that you don't need to do. Do the bare minimum, take the bare minimum you need and then really like squeeze, you know, squeeze the juice out of it.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Speaking of of music and, and entrepreneurship, I'm curious about your relationship with Anik Khan. Yeah. How did you guys link up and kind of what's the story there? He's obviously, He's doing some amazing things right now. I just saw him, you know, endorsing Bernie Sanders at his mm-hmm, rally. And mm-hmm. That's pretty amazing. You know, there's just he's he's making a movement, and he's he's a he's a staple in in the culture now For in New sure. York, which is amazing.
1: Yeah, Anik. Um, obviously Anik is an incredible artist, incredible human being. Um, I met Anik through a mutual friend, the homie Feeks. We met in 2013, and I was you know I was doing music then. He was obviously making music then, and we just used to hang out you know, and it was largely around music. So he would come over during like two o'clock on like a Thursday because I didn't have no job, he didn't have no job, and we just play music and we just (laughs) talk about, you know, kind of like what we wanted to do and and what the potential for us to, you know, just from a cultural side, like what, you know, what our music kind of meant. And we had tried to work together a couple times when I was building my agency and I was doing all these things and I just always told him like, bro, I'm not going to be able to give you 150 percent that you need because I got all this I got to take care of myself you know I can't do for you what I can't even do for me and then you know the moment that I could take care of myself and and I felt like I could really contribute something to his career um that's when you know we started linking up probably like two three years ago we started
0: really getting involved um and what did that entail I mean you're you're his manager yeah Yeah. so I, I
1: mean I manage him now early on it was just helping him you know however I could so a lot of it digital social and storytelling and and that's kind of where I think my strength is. And that's where I really pushed him like, yo, you need to, you know, you need to understand that you don't need press. You don't need all this stuff. Your fans are what's going to drive you. You know, like we need to do Instagram lives more often. We need to do meet and greets. We need to do these things to be on the ground and build those one on one connections with people because those people are ultimately really going to be your champions more than the media will or more than, you know, press will. And that I kind of treated Anik like a direct to consumer company, you know, and just made sure that we, had an open line, a communication with fans at all time, and, and we're really engaging. And that was probably like two, three years ago. And then since then, you know, we've been off to the races. The, gro- um, the growth has been crazy. Thank you, man. Yeah, I've, I've, uh, I, was, I was talking I was talking to his sister the other day, and I was just like, it's unfortunate, but there's nothing I won't do for Anik, you know, and, and he knows that. <laughs> and so now it's just like, you know, whatever, whatever it takes, we're going to do. So Big Facts, you know, which came out last year, which is really, really important for his career. We had the the billboard in Times Square that said, damn, it feels good to be an immigrant. Yeah, that's huge. And uh, I remember, yeah, I mean, I think we created something. We cemented ourselves in culture, you know, forever, really. But I think by doing that and putting the flag down, it's going to allow for him to do whatever he wants because people always know where he came from, you know, and I think that's really important this year has been up and down for us we you know we've done rolling loud we did a bernie sanders rally we you know we we toured india um but at the same time we didn't release any new music due to you know a lot of label politics and things like that so we are finally getting out of the woods and 2020 is going to be like i said it's going to be all unique so i'm I'm really excited amazing
0: yeah um yeah that's crazy There there's something so i might have seen him on youtube or something like that mm-hmm. and it must have been the video this may be a couple years ago so maybe it wasn't the the video yet but I just remember hearing that song. I remember him calling himself Big Baba, mm-hmm. which in Arabic is Dad. Yep. And I yep, was like, yep, yep. That's "So that's so cool." But like, he made it cool because if I said it, it wouldn't have been cool. Um, but um, right. But yeah, that's that's amazing that that he was just so confident in his story and telling it the way that, and telling it like it is. You know. Yeah. Um, at the same time, there's something that I found interesting, which is I remember seeing an article. I think it was maybe it was an interview or a video or article, but he said he was a little frustrated that. Every question that he ever got was related to him being, mm-hmm. you know, Bengali, mm-hmm. and I thought that was interesting because I I get it, like he's more he's that's just like kind of, you know, that's his culture, that's his roots, that's right. where he starts, but he has so much more to give as well. I'm curious. I wanted to get your your thoughts on that because obviously this conver- this conversation itself is culture study, like. I hope that I'm able to to hear the entire story through, sure. and through, you know, the roots all the way to the to the end and where your vision and where you're going. Yeah. Um, but I was just curious about your thoughts on his experience with the press. And yeah, I mean, so I, I don't want to speak for Anik,
1: but obviously a lot of those a lot of those storylines, you know, we've we formulated together. And I think that, you know, Anik is an artist that is doing something that no other artist can do, in my opinion, which is to be a real bridge between the East and the West, you know, between the South, South Asia and the U.S. Um, A lot of artists are trying, but the problem is they don't come from the place that he comes from and they don't have a dual experience. You know, so like if you grew up, you know, Anik grew up in Project Housing in Queens as a a Bengali kid. That's a very unique experience because that gives you the reality on both sides. You know, and I think that when he talks about hip hop or when he talks about cultural things, he has the equal in both those worlds, because that's where he grew up. So, you know, when we talk about representation and, and all these things, I think it's important that we move past that at some point. Because if people only see you being dope because you're Bengali or right. because you're brown or wherever you're from, they are doing the rest of your art a disservice, you know. And I think Anik represents so much more than that. Like, yeah. We know he's Bengali. That's dope. You know, like he's he's never been afraid or, or shy, you know or shy of claiming that. Right. But let's talk about the music. Let's talk about how he did a record with Burna Boy, two years ago. You know, like yeah. let's talk about what type of what type of stuff he's doing sonically by mixing, uh, Dilse with you know a hip hop song. Let's just talk about where he's at, in the full holistic experience of him as an artist. So. Yeah, I think the, the now this interview that you're referring to was important for him because it gave him a chance to to start having a different conversation. Because the conversation around who he is, that's always gonna be there. Yeah. You know, but he is more than those things and I think that a lot of times, you know, the press or just the industry doesn't wanna take you seriously if you're an artist of certain ethnicity because they only see you as that and they only see your fan base as that. Right. But I know for a fact that it's it's way bigger than that. Right. So a lot of our repositioning and a lot of our conversations going forward are going to be about let's talk about the music. You know, let's talk about how we're how we're doing these sonic landscapes, how they, you know, they pull from all these different cultures, Caribbean culture, South Asian culture, New York culture. And let's have an honest conversation as if he was an artist that you guys were familiar. You know, like yeah, that's yeah. where we gotta get to. So yeah, I think it was important for him to say that and um I think it's important for people to understand that him saying that is not him disowning anything or right. not acknowledging it. You guys already know that.
0: Yeah. Well, let's move past that. Awesome. I yeah, I was curious about that. I I think it is really valuable to tell your story. I mean, that's that's kind of the, the theme of this podcast. That's kind of what we've been talking mm-hmm. about. And the problem is like kind of what you were saying, is when it's just limited to ethnicity or cultural background or traditions. Yep. Like yep. that's that's really the issue because your story is so much more than that as an entrepreneur it's not only calcutta chai company it's the real estate right it's the music it's the you know what i mean mm-hmm. but all of that is fed into by like who you are as a person you know so i think so, sure. similar to him yes like you said we know he's bengali we know his roots mm-hmm. and what else do we know what else can we learn what right. else can we learn from him in terms of you know music in right. terms of style in terms of um, what he represents and and where he's trying to go and mm-hmm. um, like you said bridging those gaps like yeah. I think um, in my experience I, I I've always been my my, uh, my mom is Indian from East Africa mm-hmm. from Tanzania yep. my dad is Syrian and French wow and so a lot of my life has been connecting people to the opposite side of the culture sure, right so sure. I'm, I, and a lot of in my childhood just like you know not seeing anybody who was like me aside from my sisters and realizing that, um, okay, I have to be the, the platform to like, kind of just like the first look at any of my cultures that I represent. I have, I have to be that for a lot of people. Yeah. Where'd Um, your parents meet? Uh, in LA. Oh, wow. (laughs) Of course. (laughs) Yeah. yeah. In, uh, in, in college actually. So, um, yeah. So LA is a, is a, is a beautiful place to have Mm, grown up and mm. I, and I really appreciate that. And actually I, I would say I grew up, you know, just in in soccer culture in the U.S., yep, yep. which is very Latin, like a lot of Mexican um, and Latinos in general in in the U.S. and in, yep. in Los Angeles, Southern California. And so, I wasn't Latin, but I, but I felt like that was those were my people. You know what I mean? Like they probably I, I looked at you, like let's go. Yeah, like, yeah. I looked at you, like oh, now yeah. you want well, to us? It's exactly, and, and it's that dual conversation because I wasn't fluent in Spanish. You know what I mean? And, but I also was just like I was a part of the crew, so right. it's it's kind of just we were just talking about those yeah. kind of.
1: And I think that's one thing that you know Anik and I both share from a philosophy side is like we're, like you said, you're you're an, you're. Well, let me let me answer the question. I'll come back to that. Um, one thing that Anik and I both share from a philosophy side is, we're trying to uplift an entire, like, group of people, but they're not just limited to South Asia or one part of the world. It's right. really everybody that's felt like they've never had a voice. Right. You know, and so it's really important to make sure that duality is there because it's not limited to just, you know, one one type of person. I think that whether it's of the Child, whether it's the creative work we do on the agency side, whether it's the music and, and the branding from the unique side, that's the story that we want to tell. We want to give people who felt like they've never had a voice a way to feel represented and to feel like they can communicate their ideas with the rest of the world, yeah. right? Because, I mean, your your mom is Indian from Tanzania, Yeah. Like, if I was to just, once removed right so if I think about India India is such you know Indian people are, are everywhere but they're also not homogenous to India right so I think that that's a perfect illustration of we're always like very tactical about
0: how we communicate that yeah I love it man it's very relatable too just as, as a consumer a fan of yeah of the work that you guys are doing on the music side on the the chai side as well um, I wanted to get a little bit into more of like a reflection now and just kind of Um, just ask you some questions about that. Um, You have a lot of stuff going on as an entrepreneur. How do you stay balanced? That's a great, great question.
1: This has been the year where everything has been out of balance. And I say that candidly. You know, I think there's moments in your life where you have to break any kind of comfort and routine and, and things that you're used to because you have to accomplish something that is just bigger than you. And that's where I am this year. And there's, and I'm not like, I want to give a condition to that. Like I don't think that's right or wrong. That just is what it is. Right. So this year has been a year of, you know, strained relationships. Um, it's been a year of, you know, poor sleeping and, and eating habits. Well, another year of those. Um, <laughs> it's been a year of, you know, just like a lot of roller coaster of, of emotions and. I think that's it's important to acknowledge that's that's natural. You know, like there was no other way we were gonna run, you know, uh, an agency, launch a cafe, you know, tour the world, and and still find time to call our mothers without things getting getting strained. And so, when I think about balance, um, I think for me, one thing. And one way that I approach these things is, like, from a spiritual side, like, I'm very centered, I think, and that never changes. And so even if I have a bad day or a great day or whatever, like, ultimately, if I was the best reflection, you know, of God and the things that I believe in, then I know that I'm good. Like, then I'm I'm centered, you know, and that's how I approach every day. So, you know, we could make a million dollars on one deal or we could, you know, have a horrible day and I'll be all right because those things don't define, you know, like, my happiness or, like, right. if I'm content or not. So. This has been a very, like I said, it's a, it's a roller coaster. But I think from a balanced side, I've been, um, I've just had to like fall back on on kind of who I am and why I do this, as a reason to be centered. And those reasons, you know, are for family, are for for culture, and for telling a story that hasn't been told before. And if I got to go through some uncomfortable times to do that, you know, so be it. Um, and, and in general, how I found balance, how I find balance in my life, man, it's honestly. I take the time when I need to take the time, you know? And so there will be, like, some weekend mornings where, like, from 9 to 11, like, I just, I'm not doing nothing. And mm-hmm. if I need to take an hour or two, if that's all I can get, that's all I'm going to take, you know? But I I do take time for myself when I need it. Um, I don't be out every night because, I, you know, again, like, I've, I got to be up in the morning. I got to, if I need an hour for myself in the morning, I'm going to bed an hour <laughs> earlier at night. Yeah. You feel me? Like, it's just being, like, it's just being intentional about time. And then... In general, I mean, when my life is not out of whack, I'm I'm, I'm traveling a lot. I think that's a way that I kind of reset um, new food, new people, new culture is really important for me to consume, to stay inspired and be, you know, um, to, to be able to deal with New York and, and how crazy it is. Yeah. Um, I read a lot, consume a lot of information, but I tell people, like, I consume information the same way I consume food. So I don't eat fast food. You know, I don't consume junk information because the things you put into your body are extremely important. So... You know, I try to I try to like surround myself by the things that I'm excited and inspired
0: by. I love that. Um, you mentioned spirituality, and I'm guessing faith. Yeah. Um, how do you practice spirituality and faith?
1: Yeah, um, it's it's an interesting question because I think that, you know, growing up, we grew up in a Hindu household, um, and then you grow up, in, and the more you learn about Hinduism, you you start to understand that that's a religion. It's a very DIY you know religion there's not a lot of like structure around it yeah um and so you know i think as i've gotten older i think i don't I, so organized religion to me is i'm not sure if that's exactly like what matches my outset but i do know like there's i mean i believe in one god right you know and i believe that one god accesses people through different forms and different you know ways and i think that it's not my job to comment on anybody else's faith but i know for me personally like that's i have those conversations with you know my god so to speak and, yeah. and i think that's how i stay spiritually grounded you know like i just did a podcast last week and i was talking about like i feel like i talk to god more than i talk to anybody else on a daily <laughs> basis you know because that's like those are the conversations i'm having so yeah. um yeah spiritually out spirituality is extremely important i think if you've ever been to India, you know that's a land of spirituality. You can't escape it. You know every corner, every block. Every, there's a temple. There's a, a shrine. There's something. And you know you when you grow up like that, you understand that. I think that's the way God intended it to be. Is God is everywhere. You know, and you just gotta like understand that. And so yeah, that's how I see it. Again, like, I'm not. I'm not. You know, making no claims on. What is what is right or wrong or right, true right. or false? That's just that's that's my reality. Yeah, and
0: I and I ask that not to not to get too personal, but more so just because I think everybody does have their own understanding of faith and their own understanding of spirituality. And I always find it interesting to hear how people respond to that. To yeah. say you know what what it is that grounds them or what it is that keeps them uh, focused and like you said intentional, reflective. I think that's really important. Just reflecting on mm-hmm. things as well. And I mm-hmm. think faith is a big part of that. So yeah, and, and um, being grateful. Yeah, yeah, not to cut you off. But I no, think no.
1: the biggest thing that this year has taught me is, you know, we could be thirty, forty, fifty thousand dollars in debt, whatever it is, things are blowing up, contractors not showing up, but I'm grateful to have the ability to even do this every day. Right. You know, because there's people digging ditches and, and and driving eighteen hours a day for their jobs and that's hard work. You yeah. know, like I, I don't I have the privilege of being able to do something like this. And yeah. so, you know, throughout throughout this whole year I think I've just reminded myself like and, and you know, preyed on that idea of like, yo, you are extremely grateful to be, you know, extremely privileged and extremely grateful to be where you are. And I think when you do that, it's just a different, you know,
0: you fight in a different battle. You're in a different race. You approach things totally differently. Yeah, Yeah. Um, You mentioned uh, travel a bit earlier and how you travel, and I I travel quite a bit as well. Um, And the reason I say that is because when I think about reflection and reflecting, when I travel, when I'm on a plane, like looking out out the window, Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. uh, that's like... One of my favorite places and times to reflect, and for some reason I get super emotional on planes. I don't really, know why. Yeah, interesting. It's ra- random fact of the day. <laughs> I guess it was um, sleepy. Oh yeah. Uh, yeah, I get I can knock <laughs> out too. But but I definitely I think about life just being in the clouds and stuff. But the, but the reason I say that is also just being grateful for that opportunity to travel, to be able to be on a plane and 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 go from one coast to another or one city to another. Like yeah. you know, understanding that not everybody, especially like our ancestors right. had that opportunity as much as we do now. So, so yeah, man, I think that's, that's beautiful. Yeah. The majority uh, of
1: the world has never been on an airplane and yeah. may never be on an airplane. Right. So those, those things are, are always important to acknowledge.
0: Yeah. Um, I want to ask a couple more questions. Um, how do you envision the next, you know, five years of your life? Where do you, where do you see yourself? Yeah. Where do you see uh, the evolution of Kolkata Chai, of Anik, of the real estate, all that? Yeah. It's funny if someone asked me three years ago, do you see yourself opening
1: a cafe in New York City, I would have been like, Get out of here. Hell <laughs> no. So this this question I answer now with a little bit more, um just a little different perspective. I think, you know, five years from now, I don't know if my life looks very different rather than a lot of these things stabilizing, growing and actualizing their full potential. Mm. You know, so I think for, for the chai side, you know, I think Kolkata the Chai has an immense potential to be, you know, a, a larger talked about regional national brand, you know, an operation. And I, and I really think that's where we're going to take things, you know, it's going to be slow because I think intentionality is very important and we're going to be intentional about everything we do. But yeah, five years from now, I see us having multiple locations, you know, across across this country. I see us making a bigger push into digital and content and owning media properties and doing things in that, in that world. And I see us taking our programming more seriously. So music festival or, Mm. you know, things that we curate kind of outside of, of just food. I think that's going to be a big piece of, of what we're doing. I think on the unique side, I mean, Anik is a superstar, you know, there's no like denying that. Yeah. Um, so I think in the next five years, I think the world gets to see that as well, you know, and, and I get to share that with people because I know that, but, yeah. you know, I'm waiting for other people to see it and for him to show it. We haven't, we haven't even gone there yet. So I think that Anik becomes, you know, an artist that is globally recognized. And, and I think he starts to um, continue to bridge those gaps, you know, but at a much larger level. And I think he starts to do things outside of music too. You know, I think he starts getting more involved with business and philanthropy and, and being like a, a figure in culture. And for myself, I think the next five years, you know, I think it's just doing more of the same of just approaching every day like, you know, it's a rookie, it's your rookie season and yeah. uh trying to get better, you know, and trying to get better at not only business, but trying to get better at managing people, trying to get better at my relationships. Um you know, I could talk about you know, growth estimates for real estate and all that. But I don't think that's <laughs> exciting. I think, I think it's just continuing to expand what I've already built. Um, I would really like to retire my parents in the next five years. So that's, that's like the, my number one goal, you know, financially to just be like, yep. Yeah. I don't have to ever think about a job again. Yeah, And, um, that's, that's what I'm operating with every day today. So every day I wake up and I'm just like, all right, how do we get to that point? And once we get to that point, I'm in cruise control i'm good like if they're good i'm good because yeah. i already have everything i need bro like yeah. you know like i think you could probably relate like you know you have a home a car a phone a laptop you got good health you know i mean you're good yeah. like we're blessed we, we don't really need too much so yeah man that's that's where i'm at i think i just want to continue to expand the things i've already built um and, and get better
0: at what i do i love that i wanted to ask about personal life for a second five years from now or in the next five years, I mean, this is a f- more of like a personal family thing. Yeah. I don't see a ring on your finger. Not no, that I'm, sir. Yeah, it just kind of came to me, but, right. uh, but is that a part of your life that you're also like looking for like settling down and starting a family and things like that? Yeah. That's, that a really,
1: that's a really good question. Cause um, that's a whole
0: nother thing to balance. Yeah. You know? And I will say I'm horrible
1: at balancing that. <laughs> if I have to be as transparent as possible. Um, that's something that I think I am still learning and figuring out, you know, at my age, my dad, was married and, and I was born, you yeah. know, and, and he was living a very different reality, you know, than, than what I'm doing. And I think that, um. I think I know myself and there's certain things that I will not compromise. And I know that in a way I'm selfish about certain things when it comes to living life on my accord. Mm-hmm. And I think I have to mature and grow on those things before I'm able to really um, settle down, so to speak. Yeah. So, you know, I've been um, not that great at, at, maintaining romantic relationships in my life and and then there's certain people that you know if they're listening to this they're going to kill me afterwards (laughs) but um i recognize my shortcomings in that in that space and i think that's something that i want to uh i want to pay more attention to as we move forward um in terms of having family and and things like that that's still something i'm figuring out yeah yeah i don't i think you know a lot of times when people don't get to pursue the life that they wanted to and, and kind of like close the loop on the things they've always wanted to do it manifests itself in different ways once they start to have a family or get settled in and things like that. And I don't want to, um I don't want to go through that. Yeah. You know, like I want to be like, yeah, this is what I do. This is what I've done. This is what I'm continuing to do. And I want peace, you know, and, and that, that, that sense of that peace of mind
0: is going to be number one. So yeah, yeah we'll see, we'll see kind of how that interacts with. I, I battle that as well. Cause I think you know, even just growing up, like, oh, by this age, like, I want to have a, you know, wife and kids yep. by this age. Blow I that have, yeah, yeah, you know what I mean? Yep. Um, I think that what I battle with is I see so many people who settle down and have kids, and, and that's a beautiful thing, and that's something that I do want. Mm-hmm. But when that happens, the priority no longer is what you envision for your life and what right. you can contribute to the world. It's right. everything. And, and not that this has to be the case, but, um, you know, a baby is a miracle and a... And a it makes sense that that becomes your priority, yeah. Right? Your child, hundred priority. It's you know a full time I mean? job. It is a full time job, and, you know? and yeah, yeah. Shout out to all the mothers out there, Facts. um, you know, giving birth and raising children and all that. Like right. that's that by itself is is blows right. my mind. Yeah. Shout out um, to
1: my shout out to my mother, our mother, because I think my mom, you know, sometimes feels like you know she doesn't get the proper acknowledgement yeah. for what the role she played in our lives. Because my dad was the you know the breadwinner, mm-hmm. but my mom raised us. Yeah. You know, my mom made us the human beings we are today because we didn't really see my dad growing up. Yeah. You know, so I think about that kind of stuff too when I'm like, yo, is that, you know, am I going to be comfortable with that? And and until I get to a place where I know that answer, um, I just got to, you know, be careful. But yeah, shout out to my mom, yo. She's um, she's pretty much the reason why, you know, we, we fell in love with India and, and why I think we grew up the way we did. You know, she she had extremely strong value system and that's something that, you know, I want to make sure that I'm able to to pay forward
0: to, you know, my own family. Yeah, I love that. Um, I have one last question. How do you want to be remembered? Wow. Um,
1: That's a great question. I think I want to be remembered for showing people that it's possible to live life exactly the way you imagined it if you're willing to work for it. And I think I want to be remembered for somebody that Open doors, you know, and paid it forward the whole time because you don't, you're not remembered for the car you drive or the, the crib you stayed at, you know, or or what watch you had on, but you are remembered for the people that you're able to touch and impact. And I think that's something that I do every day, you know, like whether it's answering DMs or, you know, just like helping people connect dots when they need it to. I think that's something that I want to be remembered for, you know, is always being um, somebody that that paved the way, but also paid it forward.
0: How about you? I'm curious. How do I want to be remembered? Yeah. Um, I really want to be remembered for just contributing something positive into the world. Being a, a platform for building bridges, I think that's something that I'm really passionate about and that's something that I, I told you as a kid that was like my identity issues was mm-hmm. always like who am i am i arab am i indian am i american am i right. tanzanian like am i latin because i thought i was you know what <laughs> right, i mean so right. so all those things and i realized like oh well i may not be anything in particular like i may not be full 100 percent this or 100 percent that but I can definitely introduce those cultures to each other and yeah. introduce those peoples to each other, and yeah, I think just uh, being a connector and building bridges and and really being genuine and intentional about wishing well for myself and for the other, the people around me. I think that's kind of where yeah. I'd like to. Bodied it. Yeah. yeah. Thank you. Uh, I, I <laughs> um yeah man, I just uh, I know we, we you guys got to run as well but um I just wanted to thank you for for hopping on uh the show and and being vulnerable and and sharing your story and um the amazing work that you do and you know you've been around the block so yeah. you you know it's it's crazy to for me to be able to to chat with you and learn from you and I'm really excited. Hopefully we stay connected. And Absolutely. whenever you're in L.A., you said you're there. Soon, yeah, I'm, so, I'm there a lot. Um, let's link up. But, um, but yeah, honestly, it was, a, it was a pleasure, man. Thank you so much. I nah, appreciate you, man. Thank you for the platform that allows us to,
1: you know, share and, and hopefully inspire other people.
0: Yeah, of course, man. Um, you guys have have a, a beautiful day and, and best of luck with everything. And um, I'll probably be at Calcutta Chai later today grabbing my, my chai. Well, let's do it. Um, but, yeah, man, thank you appreciate so much. You.
1: I, I appreciate so it, bro. Much. Yes, sir.
0: Take care. Pleasure.